Welcome to CISO's Insiders Podcast, powered by GRC Consulting. In this podcast, we'll be interviewing leading CISOs and security leaders in the industry for light, eye-level conversations. Here, they share advice and tips, talk about their biggest accomplishments and failures, favorite drinks, key influencers, and much more. We encourage you to walk away with at least one insight that will help you better yourself or your business. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more content, please check us out on social media. Jason Loomis, welcome everybody for my discussion today with Jason. Um, so Jason uh, Loomis is the Chief Information Security Officer of MindBody. Uh, I believe from my limited research, he's been in the IT industry for more than 20 years now. And out of which I think 10 years have been in the information security space, in the cybersecurity space. Um, prior to Mind and Body, um, he was the CISO of a textile fashion group. And prior to that, uh, a director of managed, service, managed security services over at ProKarma. And I think before that, he held, as I mentioned, a few um, executive positions in the IT space. But uh, Jason, I'm sure you would be able to provide a much better introduction about yourself. So if you want to jump in and just uh, introduce yourself. Sure thing. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, uh, everything you said was accurate. Um, been about uh, security focus for the last 10 years. Um, currently in MindBody, we're the global, um, sort of the leader in the global SaaS solution provider for businesses that are health, beauty, fitness, wellness, if you own a gym, hair salon, you can use our software to run your business and transact payments. Um, exciting place, you know, crazy place right now with what's happened this past year. Um, and it looks like we're on the uptick now. So I think business is really going to be booming. I think people are desperate to get back to gyms and start working out, myself among them. Um, been in IT for the last 20 years and originally held in the Bay Area, California, and I'm now been living in L.A. Nice. And thank you for that. And, you know, I've been waiting for the gyms to open up as well. I think they closed my gym probably more than a year ago now. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I miss swimming and, and sitting in the, in the sauna from time to yeah. time. Uh, okay. And uh, thank you about, uh, thank you for that. And we, I, I usually start off with a couple of icebreaker questions. Um, I typically ask about your marital status and then about your favorite drink. Oh, great. Yeah, two great questions. Um, well, <laughs> yes, I'm glad my wife, my, my wife hears this, she'll be happy that I just said two great questions. Um, I was married during COVID, so I'm recently married. I got married last summer, um, we made it, it, it was a double-edged sword. So on one hand, we got, we got to do it cheap <laughs> because of COVID. But then the other hand, you know, a lot of people we wanted to invite and come celebrate, we couldn't, we kept it really small under 10 people on the beach here in Manhattan Beach. Yeah, in LA, so been married for a year, been with her for about four, and everything's going swimmingly. Favorite mm -hmm. drink? Does coffee count? Coffee doesn't count. I'd have to go Japanese whiskey. Oh, nice Japanese whiskey. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've did. I, I didn't try too many of those, but the ones I tried were nice. I, I still prefer the Scottish single malt, but uh, I might have, you know. I'm sure there, there, there are nice brands out there of Japanese whiskey as well. And after my third, fourth, I can't, you know. Yeah, you, don't, you don't really care. You, you, can, you can revert to, to Johnny Walker, probably Red <laughs> Label even. 
okay, let's dive right in. So I'm gonna run you through a series of questions that uh, we 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 feel are useful, uh, you know, in providing some insights into the mind of a CISOs. And again, the goal here is to allow some clarity and you know be able to connect you with both your peers and even to to. To allow, to allow some vendors, uh, you know, some insights into the mind of, of a season, specifically you, uh, because we know there's a gap in, in that space and, and I think we'll touch on it later on. Um, so let's start with the first one. What's the one thing you wish you'd known before you begin your, your career? Um, this is like that question. I should have listened to my mother. Probably I, I should have gone into plastic surgery. Um, no, seriously, um, probably the importance of leadership and responsibility that comes with it. I don't think I learned that until later in my career. Um, you know, when I was starting, I looked at technology management and leadership like I did tech in general, like kind of like a formulaic process where you have expected inputs, you're going to expect um, outputs. You know, and I really lacked understanding the human side of the equation. So you got to understand the need for empathy, compassion, and just doing the right thing. Yeah. And I think it's pretty evident in IT as well as information security. Maybe less nowadays because I I feel personally that the market have matured. But you know, if you go twenty years back, I think um, IT people, you know, talking with IT, uh, and as you just mentioned, I think uh, you know, for lack of a better word, um, maybe empathy was not their strong suit, and yeah. also with with the uh, information security practitioners as well because you know it was the nicer culture back then i think it's yeah, less of that nowadays yeah. the hammer of compliance was used yes you know a lot more than it is now yeah i mean and that was the that was the best case scenario because a lot of the times you got answers like okay uh can i do that and the answer was just a simple no and and why not well just know right yeah yeah we, we don't want you to have this and that port open to the internet for any reason but sure uh okay um moving on to uh you know it's my personal belief that people fail more from failures than from accomplishment uh, if there's any biggest failure that you wanted to mention or talk about here and, and what did you take out of it, basically? Yeah, I, I completely agree, man. Um, I fail a lot. Um, I've failed more than I've succeeded in my career, you know, but uh, there's a good quote I have. It's actually on a T-shirt I own. Um, it's Nelson Mandela. He says, I don't lose. I either win or I learn. So every failure has gotten to me where I am. If I didn't have those failures, I wouldn't be who I am. Um, for a single, like, biggest failure in my career was one where I pulled a friend off a great-paying job to work for me. And then was told to fire him and my entire team six months later. Mm. And while I was being told to get rid of him and the team, it was my failure for not being keyed in enough with senior leadership to see it coming. I shouldn't have been that blind to it. I, it was my fault of letting that happen and letting me hire him when I wasn't really aware of what was going on at the back end of the business. So I take full responsibility for that. Yeah. Okay. I actually had a similar experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, having touched on that, what would you say your biggest accomplishment was? Um, 
probably, you know, on a high level, very simply is anybody who's ever worked for me that went on to bigger, better things. That's mm. a simple answer. Um, something more tangible. It's boring and dry, but I am very, 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 very proud of the policies and standards that I rewrote here at MindBody because it was the first time I actually got to re-architect them from scratch. And I went from, you know, I think policy should be very simple, easy to understand where a, you know, a fifth grader can read them and yet be measurable. And so I reduced what was a 500 page, which I'm sure in your career you've seen those 500 page policies that are from a template and written by either an auditor or legal and was able to reduce it. Our policies now are two pages and about 400 words. And then I have a set of standards that are even simpler to understand. They're a little bit longer, but they're measurable. So that's probably like a tangible accomplishment that I'm proud of. Okay. Let me, um, let me challenge you a bit. What was, what do you consider a big, a bigger accomplishment, the former or or the latter? The former, easy. Okay. Yeah. Success of others. Yeah. And you know, I just wish, uh, I think, I just had a conversation about that with my co-founder. Um, uh, so, and you know, for the past 12 years since establishing this, this, since founding this company, I think I've helped a lot of individuals that, you know, came through the doors and, you know, started off as consultants and at some point they matured and, you know, some of them, they hold the Caesar role, others, they hold some other, other prominent roles in the information security space. And I just wish there was a way of having like, uh, you know, an, an honest conversation with some of your employees that, you know, that want to proceed but don't share it with you because they, they have this fear that you might, you know, try to hinder their progress or anything like that. And I'm with a state of mind that, you know, you should help people accomplish what they want to accomplish. And I'm, I'm always more than happy to help out like current employees and former employees to, to to progress and and land on in, in land uh, like uh, new and exciting positions, so so definitely. I mean, personally, I think I'm not sure if this would be my biggest accomplishment, but uh, but I can totally re- relate to that to what you said. Good. Yeah. Well, yeah. You. <laughs> I live by the creed, and I've done this at every job I've had the authority and the ability to for the last three. Is if I don't have a role for you and I don't have a position, I will write your recommendation letter. And I will happily want you to go make more money with more responsibility and do what you love and what you're passionate about than have to keep you with me mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. You know, and, I, and yeah, the company takes a hit. My department takes a hit. My team takes a hit. But I want what's best for you. And I think that's why people, hopefully, one of the many reasons I hope people want to work for me. Yeah. Okay. And, and that makes sense. Uh, and what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? You know, it goes back to sort of what I wish I knew getting into this job is that I think the skills that make you successful in security aren't the skills you would think. I think, you know, 10 years ago, it's I got to understand technology to be a good security practitioner. And it's not. It's about people. Number one, leadership, organizations, the ability to communicate, understand motivation, Mm -hmm. and the ability to lead and build teams. Yeah. And I think it's especially, it's more prominent nowadays because the CISA position has transformed into a business role uh, as opposed to a technical or IT related role. That's yeah. just my personal belief. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. 
And and what do you feel about, and, and you know, I know you came from IT and some CISOs, they report to IT related functions, others report directly to other C-level executives, might even be the CEO in some cases. <clears throat> but but what are you, what do you personally feel about the role of a CISO that's actually part of the IT organization? And that, that's, a, that's a really good question because I, I know there's a lot of, it feels like there's some shifting going on with that. I, I'm a fan of it not reporting into tech, but there, there are some pros and cons to it. Um, when you report into tech, some of the pros are you're close to the tech, which is where you get a lot of your work done. So when I have to get stuff implemented, it uh, obviously a lot of security is focused on technology. Yeah, I've got people in process. Even those processes are gonna be usually around the technology department. So being part of that team makes it a lot easier to get stuff done versus being only a second line, if you're familiar with a few lines of defense versus being sort of a second line CISO not having your own first line team. Um, you get most of the risk reduction, I think, out of tech. Like, yeah, I get a lot out of training and security awareness and some other, but if you can reduce the tech, the risk with tech, you tend to get a lot more out of it. Um, and then another idea about the pro is having your own first line. If you're tech, you usually will have your own first line team. Mm-hmm. Some of the cons are, man, there's, there's a lot. <laughs> um, you're at the mercy of product. So especially in tech companies, they're usually product-driven companies and product drives engineering, not necessarily the other way around. So that's tough, that challenge. And then, you know, the constant challenge of budget where a tech organization is either driven by revenue generation or cost reduction. And my function is risk reduction, which isn't either of those. So bonuses, compensation for tech is always tied to, okay, we're going to make more money or we saved money not how much risk we reduce. So I'd love to see a change. The con is that there's no KPIs for people with my level in tech for risk reduction. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that's sort of a really big con with it that I see. Yeah, that's very, that's very interesting. And, you know, I know there are a few frameworks are out there that, you know, some organizations use. I think one of them is FAIR, where you mm-hmm. actually, yes, so I guess you're familiar with that, right? Wait, the, I am. Yeah. I, I, okay. I don't use it here. Would love to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so, very familiar with. Yeah. So I think they help you quantify the risks, and that that's you know being able to present better like the ROI of, of security. But but yeah, I think you know, I think at, at the end of the day, it goes back to leadership and to the the understanding of I mean, is cybersecurity is a part of business and does it need to be an integral an integral part of the business and 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 I and I do and I do see the shift in in that space I have to say for the past few years I think more and more organizations understand that cybersecurity is is more than just you know having a few a few professionals running around and trying to patch stuff out for and actually, yes, you can, that is a great description because that is literally what I felt like seven, eight years ago. Hey, let's just hire a couple of security people and they'll fix all our problems. And, you know, to be honest, there's still a lot of companies that operate like that. But it's, yeah. It's okay. And, and, you know, maturing from the IT into the cyberspace. Uh, and even before that, what would you say were the best resources that have helped you, you know, define who you are right now in terms of like the professional skill set that you hold? Yeah, you know, it's it's not cyber specific again, or even tech specific, but I'm a big fan of education, and my MBA was probably the most powerful tool that started me off on the path to understanding how business and technology 
connect or where they connect and what that intersection looks like. Um, you know, there's uh, books that I can rattle off. Switch, Chip and Dan Heath, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, Drive uh, by Daniel Pink, uh, Why Great Leaders Don't Take Yes for an Answer is another great book. The Culture Code, Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, Extreme Ownership, um, Jocko Willink and Leaf, I think, the one about the Navy SEALs. Those are just cool. Like, that's almost like an MBA in a box. You can get those five books. You probably know 80% of what I've learned with leadership and management. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. You know, uh, some of the CISOs I, I talk with, they're very technical oriented. So, you know, they are, you know, very, I'm not, I'm not saying against education, but very pro self-educating themselves. No mm-hmm. certifications, no, you know, no MBAs or, or even BAs, but, uh, uh, and yeah, and I mean, I, I think there, are, you know, it goes back to the individual and the, and the mindset that that you're in. And and from what I hear, from what I'm hearing so far, you're very focused on the leadership aspects and the executive aspects. You know, wanting to to learn more. And you mentioned Simon Sinek, which is probably one of uh, I'm not sure if if I want to call him a marketing marketing guru, but uh, he's like he's very prominent, and you know. Whenever I listen to him, it just makes sense. So, you know, the, and I'll say it's because the tech comes easy. <laughs> I, you know, I started, I didn't have my degrees when I started in tech. I was a computer gamer putting together, you know, I worked Doom and Duke Nukem, you know, on Windows 311 work groups with BNCs, putting them together, you know, wanting to play games. And tech just, to be honest, I was, I've always been a tech whiz. I've been always been, until now, when I was an engineer or even leading engineering teams, man, I was the one that they came to to figure out to solve the problem. So to be honest, to me, tech was the easy part of it. The hard part is the people and the organization and the leadership. Yeah. And you mentioned Duke Nukem. That came pretty late in, in my life. I think uh, I was already 15 or 16. But, you know, I started off playing King's Quest when I was in third grade, I think. I'm not sure if you if you rem- if you're uh, I'm not familiar, that, is, that, no. is, that a, is that like an Apple IIe game? Is that, or was it, uh, was it after that? Was it Windows? So there was a period in time in history of computing uh, when they just had like the, they even had like only the, the screens were only, the monitors were only CGA at the time. So mm-hmm. there were all kinds of quests like King's Quest, Space Quest, and so on. There was a company called Sierra back then. I remember Sierra. Yeah, so they they had that, and, and this was actually so the first time I actually had to write in English on my keyboard to to to, to key in English. That was when I was uh, when I was playing that game as a, I think it was the third grade, maybe four. Wow. But yeah, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, and and Duke Nukem, I think it came later, uh, along with uh, Doom, and uh, there was another one, Castle Wolfenstein. Not sure if you, yeah, if you remember. yeah, I remember Wolfenstein. Yeah, okay. I just stated myself, listeners. <laughs> yeah, same here. I think we're uh, probably the same age, or at least in, in the same ballpark. Okay. Uh, <laughs> do you have a few? And you know, you mentioned education, uh, but do you have like a few? Um, maybe you know, specifically three individuals that you wanted to that you that you can think of that has been that have been the most influential to you. Um, I think everybody answers my parents, obviously. I think everyone has that. Uh, my parents were. Um, outside of that, yeah, probably my old CEO um, at Textile, uh, Adam Goldenberg. Um, 
he had these two core traits that I just respected. He was kind of like the Jack Welchie type of CEO where he knew everything about the business. I remember my first meeting with him, he would jump from a, it was a, a big team group strategy meeting. He'd go jump from a conversation about the size of the corrugate in the shipping containers to save money down to hitting me literally not five minutes later about how much we're spending monthly for Rackspace. And he knew everything about the business and was able to talk down in the details about it. Mad respect for that level of intelligence and knowledge about the business. And then he was so empathetic and so people first take care of the employees first that I'm, you know, that, that isn't that I think a lot of CEOs will talk a big game, but do they really believe that is another story. He really believes that. I think I respect him for that. And then the CTO over there was awesome. He taught me just to be, as a tech leader, his name is Tim Collins. He's the CTO, still the CTO over there. Taught me how to just, you know, to be on, be cool. Like, like not everything's that serious. Just like every time he talked, I was like, hey man, what's up? And sharp as shit. Like just, the, you know, he knew all the tech, but it was never went to his head. I think I learned that from him too. Don't let it go to your head. Okay, thank you. Uh, is there one common myth about the profession that you wanted to debunk? Oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And I, it's a famous quote. I, I'm positive you've heard it, or everybody on this call, if you know cybersecurity, it's, to this day, I still get this. It's Bruce Schneier. <clears throat> if you think technology is going to solve your security problems, you don't understand security and you don't understand technology. The idea that you can pay if you just throw tech at it, all our security problems are solved. It's not, it's people in the process first, tech third. Can you tell me like from your experience, and it doesn't have to be like based on your specific uh, and current role nowadays, but it could be related to industry trends. But in your opinion, what are the main concerns that CISOs nowadays uh, face? Um, cloud misconfiguration. I think it's probably a priority for, I would say, the majority of CISOs now because of the big move to the cloud. And along with that goes, and it's crazy that it's, you're familiar with the, C, the CSC20, it's still number three on the list, is vulnerability management. It goes hand in hand with that cloud configuration. Yeah. Those are the biggest concerns. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I all, I've also heard a lot about uh, supply chain security. Um, from other seasons. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold on that. I think it's the flavor of the year, flavor of the week because of the recent breaches. I mean, uh, honestly, if anybody could say we saw solar winds coming or we could have caught that if we did good due diligence for solar winds, no way. Every third-party risk, and I run a pretty, a pretty mature third-party risk management program where we go through an entire process where we analyze and, and determine if the vendor's risk or not. We wouldn't have caught solar winds. They're used by every major company in the federal government. So, you know, so just my personal opinion is I, I think it's just kind of the flavor of the week to talk about. Always there's going to be risk and understanding where your data is going to and what other parties have access to your data absolutely is critical. But I don't know if it's like necessarily moving up my list of priorities with everything I have going on. Okay, makes sense. Um, thank you. Um, did, did you want to, you know, enlighten us uh, maybe share a bit about your daily routine um sure you know uh, so i work at mind body <laughs> mm -hmm. um health and wellness is kind of core uh to what we do and it just fit like that's part of the cultural fit that i have there um so i really try to take care of my body 
So I mentioned with COVID, you know, I'm waiting for the gym to get open. I, I got lucky too, though, as I was able to build a gym in my garage right when COVID hit. <clears throat> Just good timing. And I don't know if everybody else remembers, but trying to buy gym equipment right when COVID hit, everything was sold out. <clears throat> I was able to get some stuff. So my typical routine, I wake up at 4.15 a.m. I'm in the gym by five, five o'clock after a shower and coffee. Yes, I'm one of those weird ones that showers before the gym. Before the gym. Wake up process. I watch last night's news while I run NBC Nightly News. Um, I then listen to my favorite podcast, Robin Hood Snacks, which is a kind of a financial summary of the previous day. <clears throat> and then I'll do my podcast of choice, security based. Either I like CISO Talk, uh, the business of cyber, CyberWire Daily. This is going to be added to that list. And then I'll either Thank watch you. the news or listen to an audiobook. Okay. Nice. Um, I actually work for like less yeah. than 12 hours. Of course, and and you know I asked you about trends in security, and I'm again I'm this this following question is not specifically about your current role or position, but again it 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 serves to show like a trend. In your opinion, was there a change uh, when it came to budget planning? Like if you compare 2019 and 2020 to 2021, I mean. Besides do more with less because your budgets were typically cut because revenue was down and numbers are down across the board. Um, I think there was a bigger focus. Obviously, there was a, a, a bigger focus. Not obviously. There was a bigger focus on the zero trust. So remote access, zero trust, uh, knowing, being able to support the diverse workforce across the globe, I think, is where a lot of spending shifted into. Yeah, because uh, because remote workers, right? <laughs> I mean, because working mostly remotely, yeah. Okay, uh, got it. Um, now, if you can put yourself for a minute, and and we'll, I'll, I'll ask you now a few questions about vendor and vendor relationships here. Um, if you put yourself in the shoes of a vendor, just for a moment, what is it that you, like? What promise do you do you make to yourself that you say I would never do that if I were a vendor? It's a good question. Um, I, I don't know how the good salespeople got to me before. There's this one guy who I still work with, named Jack Helmetta over at SHI. They're, they're like a CDW type, pretty big, might be bigger than CDW. Still work with him today. He cold called me. I, I can't, I don't know the last time I haven't thrown my phone if I picked up a cold call or let alone took a cold call. But I don't even know if they cold call anymore. It's such an old school technique. Um, but I don't really, you know, the things I don't, I don't care about your company history. I care about what solution you have. The tech and typically the, the, the technical part of the solution. Like focus on that. Keep it short. Keep it in order. Don't waste my time. You know, um, try to find out about me, like what I need or what. And I know that's, that's a big ask, right? To a salesperson. Like, hey, go research me on LinkedIn. And I've had that, but you can tell it's superficial. They'll do something like, hey, uh, so you went to Oregon, go Ducks. And they think that's like the research of what I might be working on. Um, it's not, but something a little deeper. Like if they know that, you know, I, if I write in my blog and I mentioned CSC20 asking me, how's it going with my maturity with Control 1 and 2? Or in a, a company that I work with that I really like um, called Exonius is fantastic. And that's how I, they got into me was they're speaking to what a problem of mine I have specifically. And they got in because I was, you know, CSC control one and two is a problem for a lot of organizations, asset management, both hardware and software, knowing what's on your network. And 
they were able to say, hey, we solved that problem for you. You want to take a look? I'm like, yes, I would. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, and this, this is actually in alignment with the most of the responses that I got lately. Um, yeah. And, you know, talking a bit about vendors, what's the most annoying sales pitch that you've encountered? Every cold call I have ever got. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that, yeah, that's true, but not knowing the product. You know, the worst part is when I'll get that first introductory call, like have your SE on the call for every call. Especially our, our, I would, I would, even if they don't, if they're not being utilized, even just to have them there available. I don't like it when I have a introductory meeting and I start asking some tough questions about how the product works, and they have to say, "Oh, I don't know, you know, we, we can have that on another call with my sales engineer." I'm like, I don't have time for two meetings, <laughs> let alone one. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I, I see it in my discussions. There's definitely like a gap or a misalignment with like with current sales practices to what's expected. I'm not sure if in all fields, but definitely with CISOs. I think there's a disconnect there. I agree. Um, you know, I wonder if the the resources that used to be spent into just, you know, spray and pray, call, like cold calling technique, right? Where you get one out of a thousand to hit. Mm -hmm. But if instead you focus on five, but you spend a lot more time doing the research and the homework, so you get a better chance of hitting. Like yeah. it's actually a good oil drilling analogy that Shell or BP used. It's like instead of wasting your time on all the other ones, let's just go for where we know we're going to hit oil and spend all the resources trying to hit that oil. That would be better. My time would be better spent. Yeah, but it's, it, I think it's a big industry, and you know it came about in such a in 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 a certain way, and it's probably going to take some time to change it, like the practice, because you have so many like in in that. In that supply chain of, 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 of companies that, that provide uh, similar services to this, they all work in a very similar fashion, right? So I, I, I get it. I mean, I understand what it is that you're saying and what it is that other CISOs are saying, but I'm just saying, like, on the other hand of that, like, on the flip side, there are actually, like, companies that build themselves in, in, in a certain way, and now they need to migrate. They need to change. They need to change, to change practices. Okay. Uh, so whenever it is that you are looking for in a vendor, what it is that you're looking for? You know, I'll, I'll go back to the Jack and SHI. Um, you know, you really, it's not even that big. They're just a big reseller, right? The, but the ability to have one point of contact, one contract, my TCO, my total cost of ownership savings are so great. Being able to go through him to get everything else I need or to go through them to get everything I need, it's worth the one or two points I might pay more but instead of going to like 50 different vendors, um, I want, I know when I call, I'm going to get an answer. And I know when I ask a question, I'm going to get an answer and I'll be a top priority. A lot of mm -hmm. other companies, I, I don't get anywhere near the service, the service level I get from that. But I guess mm -hmm. level of service to answer. Okay. So level of service, but also if I understood correctly, you're looking for like to consolidate the, the vendors, right? Uh, into, into like a one-stop shop. I, I like that because it's easier for me than have to go dig up. For example, if I need to fix my, I have a problem with CrowdStrike. Well, CrowdStrike's a bad example. I have a problem with my uh, Zscaler contract and I need some help. I, I don't have to go dig up my Zscaler contact and I don't have to worry about having a different point of contact for all my different vendors when I'm negotiating contracts, redoing NSAs, NDAs. I can go through a one-stop shop and say, or he'll just, I'll just go, hey, go get me that guy over at, you know, 
blank ABC widget company and mm -hmm. I need to get this done or I need help with pro services. Can you get me a quote? Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, are there any other CISOs in the industry that you look up to? Uh, there are probably my mentor, um, the guy that kind of like got me started on my path. His name's Paul Love. Um, great guy has written a bunch of books, um, the walking encyclopedia of security. And he's still, he's one of my best friends. I was best man at his wedding. Uh, we became friends through our relationship. Um, a guy named Greg Arnold. He was my, he's CISO over at Cognizant now. Fantastic guy. Great accent. <laughs> South African. Um, and he's not a CISO, but you know, he might as well be as Gene Kim, um, famous author, guy that started uh, Tripwire, uh, oh, yeah. founded the company, wrote a bunch of books. I was lucky enough to have worked with him a few times in my career, but now he's like super famous. Uh, I think he's in the new Thor movie <laughs> along with everyone else. So I don't even, yeah, I haven't really talked to him in a while, but I used to be able to work with him. He's great. Okay, thank you. Uh, certainly looking to those individuals. Um, is there any way our listeners and vendors actually can connect with you online in a non-intrusive manner? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, LinkedIn. I do like LinkedIn. I know, uh, I think you might've mentioned this earlier, but about like how you know, LinkedIn will blow up. I think it doesn't really blow up. It's a really good way to, for me to know, uh, to know if I'm interested in your products. Like if I connect with you, it means one just happened today. So I'm without the listeners, but a company called Blue Lava, um, I, when they click to me or they send me something, I will check out and be like, yeah, that's a technology I'm interested in. Um, so I really like LinkedIn. And then if you're going to send me something like an email with an attachment or something, or don't send me water bottles, don't send me swag, don't send me unasked for swag boxes of stuff I'm never going to use, but, you know, give me a white paper that's a useful article that's not a sales white paper, but a, hey, here's how our technology works, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, personally, I, I don't believe in that tactic of sending you swag or even iPads or anything like that. I think I think it's I don't want to, you know, come off as like uh, like too prude, but uh, I, I feel it's it's too sleazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And it, to be honest, it's it's it goes in, it goes in my garbage. Like I don't, none of that stuff ever makes it like. Yeah. Past my inbox, my mailbox into my into my garbage can. Um, but a technical white paper that's not a sales white paper that doesn't spend the first page saying, hey, this is why our company's great, and this is what our technology does, and this is how it does it, that's gold to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, before we, we, we wrap this up, uh, I have a couple more questions for you. What's sure. the single most important thing to you in your career? You know, it goes back to kind of like what I felt was uh, – was important is that, you know, taking, taking care of those that have less than To be honest, it's a little more of a life moral sort of morality that I lead myself by, but I also lead myself by that. I lead myself the same way. Like those underneath, underneath my care as a leader, you know, I want to, I'm interested in their well-being, their purpose, their success. You know, I'm not a, I am not a company man, never have been. I'm a, and if you think about it, what makes the company are the people. I am yeah. absolutely people. And if you build it, you trust your people, you take care of your people, they are your company and you'll have a great successful company. Yeah, I agree. Um, and for a almost final uh, fun question for me to ask, uh, if you had unlimited funds, what would you do with your life? Uh, I would be off on a disaster relief engagement. So I, I've worked with this um, nonprofit 
uh, for about 10 years now, 12 years. Um, I've been to Haiti, Alabama, Texas, called All Hands Disaster Response. I think they're called All Hands and Hearts. Great non-denominational org that just goes in and you literally just get your hands dirty for a couple of weeks, building schools, you know, dumping rubble after a disaster. I would probably, honestly, if I had like, I hit the lottery, I'm, I would go do that for a few months, if not up to a year or the rest of my life. Okay, nice. Uh, and, and I know you mentioned uh, a few books that you loved, but was there anything specific that really inspired you that you wanted to share with our listeners? Well, besides the books, those books, um, I recommend them all. Um, I recently just finished uh, talking, with, talking, to, talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. Great read. Uh, everybody knows Malcolm Gladwell. Blank blows you away. His other ones, you're just like, wow, this one is just as much. Was, like, I, need to, I need to go read it again. Okay. Uh, great. Great stuff. Um, thank you so much for now, Jason. Uh, it has been a pleasure talking with you. And, and thank you again for taking the time, uh, you know, and jumping on this podcast. I'm, I'm hoping your insights and answers would, would resonate, would make sense to some of our listeners, uh, as well as with vendors as well. Uh, and, and again, thank you again for taking the time and hope you'll be off to a great weekend. This, this was great. Thanks, Ben. You have some really good questions. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the weekend, too. I hope you have a good weekend as well. Thank you.